So Job chapter 2 verse 11. Now when Job's three friends heard of all the evil that had come upon him, they came each from his own place. Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Namathite. And they made an appointment together to come and show him sympathy and comfort him. And when they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. And they raised their voices and wept, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads towards heaven. And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great. And after this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. And Job said, let the day perish on which I was born, and the night that said, a man is conceived, let that day be darkness. May God above not seek it, nor light shine upon it. Let gloom and deep darkness claim it. Let clouds dwell upon it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. That night, let thick darkness seize it. Let it not rejoice among the days of the year. Let it not come into the number of the months. Behold, let that night be barren. Let no joyful cry enter it. Let those curse it who curse the day, who are ready to rouse up Leviathan. Let the stars of its dawn be dark. Let it hope for light, but have none, nor see the eyelids of the morning, because it did not shut the doors of my mother's womb, nor hide trouble from my eyes. Why did I not die at birth, come out from the womb and its womb and expire? Why did the knees receive me, or why the breast that I should nurse? For then I would have laid down and been quiet. I would have slept, then I would have been at rest, with kings and counsellors of the earth, who rebuilt ruins for themselves, or with princes who had gold, who filled their house with silver? Or why was I not as a hidden stillborn child, as infants who never see the light? There the wicked cease from struggling, and there the weary are at rest. There the prisoners are at ease together, they hear not the voice of the taskmaster. The small and great are there, and the slave is free from his master. Why is light given to him who is in misery, and life to the bitter in soul, who long for death, but it comes not, and dig for it more than for hidden treasures, who rejoice exceedingly and are glad when they find the grave? Why is light given to a man whose way is hidden, whom God has hedged in? For my sighings comes instead of my bread, and my groanings are poured out like water. For the thing that I fear comes upon me, and what I dread befalls me. I am not at ease. Nor am I quiet. I have no rest. But trouble comes. Let's pray. Let's pray for Rob as he comes to teach us. Let's pray for the kids as they look at this as well. Lord Jesus, uh, this is difficult. For some of us this brings up painful memories. And all of us, Lord, we have times when we are despairing. And when we find life hard. And I pray, Lord, today we will be able to take that sorrow and those pains and turn them into rejoicing in your son Jesus and I pray the kids would be able to do that too as they learn and that you would give um, give Rob wisdom and Tom wisdom as, as they teach together I pray this in Jesus name Amen Thanks Sam for praying for us Uh, Please keep your Bibles open and just be referring to that as we go through um, our time together. Um, If you're joining us for this week, uh, it's great that you can make it here. Um, 
Uh, Sam's given you a welcome. We're back into church. We're here every week. Um, and usually what we try and do is work our way through the Bible in bite-sized chunks. Um, and this is sort of the third session. Uh, we're looking at the first three chapters of this new book. And um, we haven't looked at it before um, in the book of Job. So if you haven't heard those, helpful just to have a recap. Um, not now, because I don't have time. But um, go back and listen to some of those talks that are on the website. Um, and you can see what we've, what we've seen so far in the first two chapters. Um, but I think, actually, if you're coming in this week, you will be able to pick up some of what's been happening um, as we go through this together. Why questions? Have you asked any why questions this week? Yes. Why? Kids ask a lot of why questions, don't they? I've got Eddie, he's just turning four next month, or July. Um, Kids love asking why questions. Do they not, Mercy? Yeah, that's right, isn't it? Sometimes the most difficult why questions, right? Or why questions that you just never think of. Like, you know, why is that woman so fat? Or, you know, that one shouldn't really be vocalised. But you do get the impression, don't you, from a why question, um, something of the situation. So obviously they've seen someone. And they're asking that question. So you do, from the question itself, you get an idea of the situation. And you also get a bit of an um, idea of what the, what the child wants um, when they ask that question. So why is it taking so long when you're in the car? Well, what they want is to, to get wherever you're going. They're excited or they're bored or whatever it is. So why questions come and we can understand something of the situation and something of what the person wants from the question they're asking, Right? Um, And we're going to see here some why questions from um, Job in this chapter. The situation behind it, we're going to hear from, from and we just heard from that reading, haven't we? Um, Job is grieving terribly. And that's because he has just lost lost everything. Um, It's worth saying that these aren't hasty why questions. It's not like something's just happened to Job. Um, We hear, don't we, uh, in the first bit we read, um, that it's... It's, there's a, a, a time later because it, Job's friends had to have heard this was before you know WhatsApp and all of those times you know Job's friends had to have heard about what's happened to Job and also travel and that's before they opened up the Elizabeth line um, so it's not a quick journey they they need to get to Job and so there's been this long amount of time where Job's been on his own and even when um, you get to verse thirteen. They do arrive, finally. But then what? There's seven days and seven nights where they just sit with him in silence on the ground. So by the time we get to 3 verse 1, Job has had a lot of time to do some thinking. These aren't hasty questions. These aren't hasty why questions. It's not the immediate question he's asking. It's a settled question. It's has he been chewing it over? Thinking about his situation. Thinking about what's just happened. Think about God in relation to that, in God's world. And these are the questions that he's come up with. So I think actually we've, we've got a lot to learn from Job um, this evening. Because these are not hasty why questions. These are thought through why questions. But they are really hard questions to answer. Um, first one, why did I not die at birth? That's what Job says um, in verse 11 uh, to open up that new section. He said, why did I not die at birth? And then he goes into a few reasons why he, he would have preferred that. 
Um, there's also another question in verse 20. Uh, why is God keeping me alive? If, if it wasn't the case that God could have stopped me facing all this trouble in the first place, why is he now having all this trouble? After all this trouble has happened to me, why is he giving light? That's what he says. Why, why is light given to him who is in misery? Um, the second half of that, and life to the bitter and soul, is actually more general. It's plural. It's not just him. It's to anyone whose life is bitter and their soul is bitter. Um, why is light given to him? Who long for death, but it comes not. So these are big questions. Job's asking some really, really dark questions actually here, aren't they? You know, why, why was I even born? Why am I still here? Um, they're, they're pretty deep questions, aren't they? And, and you, you, you're troubling questions as well, but you can understand why when you understand the situation. Um, that forced those situations, uh, those questions. Uh, Job's speech moves through these three stages. So I just pointed out the second two, and um, that why question, uh, the two why questions that are second and third. The first section is sort of a curse. He calls down a curse, but crucially, he doesn't curse God. You know, in a, in a culture where you know cursing various things, um, objects, pe- people, sometimes, you know. Um, it was quite common. He doesn't curse God. He curses the day he was born and the, de- and the night he was conceived. He calls down a curse on those two things. And what I want to show you, first of all, is the reason uh, he does that. Um, and this is the point we're going to think of it under. Um, Job belongs to be somewhere that trouble cannot find him. And we're going to see that theme of trouble running throughout these three sections. Um, So let's have a look at the first section, um, verses 3 to 10. Let me read it. Let the day perish on which I was born, and the night that said a man is conceived. Let that day be darkness. May God above not seek it, nor light shine upon it. Let gloom and deep darkness claim it. Let clouds swell upon it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. That night, let thick darkness seize it. Let it not rejoice among the days of the year. Let it not come into the numbers of the months. Behold, let that night be barren. Let no joyful cry enter it. Let those who curse it, who curse the day, who are ready to rouse, rouse up Leviathan. Let the stars of its dawn be dark, let it hope for light, but have none, nor see the eyelids of the morning. Because it did not shut the doors of my mother's womb, nor hide trouble from my eyes. Job longs to be somewhere that trouble cannot find him. And in this verse he's saying, if the, womb, the, the doors of the womb had been shut... If I hadn't been conceived in the first place, then I, I wouldn't have seen trouble. Trouble would not have come to my eyes. The trouble that he's thinking of, of what he's just seen, would not have come to his eyes. That's true, is it not? Um, and so trouble is, that, is there in that first section. Um, he, he longs to be free from trouble in his life. He longs to be somewhere where trouble cannot find him. Um, And we're going to see that that's the grave in just a moment. Uh, The second section then, um, let's look at that in verses 11 through to 19. This is the, okay, well, I was conceived, I was born, but why did I live after that? (laughs) Why was something not, I mean, presumably this is a time where lots could go wrong from that moment onwards. 
Um, and so, why did I live? And let's, let's read that from verses 11 to 19. And look out again for that trouble uh, theme running through this as well. Why did I not die at birth, come out from the womb and expire? Why did the knees receive me, or why the breast that I should nurse? For then I would have lain down and been quiet. I would have slept, then I would have been at rest. With kings and counsellors of the earth who rebuilt ruins for themselves, or with princes who had gold, who filled their houses with silver, or why was I not as a hidden stillborn child, as infants who never see the light? There the wicked cease from troubling, and there the weary are at rest. There the prisoners are at ease together. They hear not the voice of the taskmaster. The small and the great are there, and the slave is free from his master. He longs to be somewhere that trouble cannot find him. And he knows, as we all know, that trouble cannot find you. People can't do their troubling. The wicked can't trouble you if they're dead or if you're dead. In the grave, that's what he says, isn't it? In verse 17, there the wicked cease from troubling and there the weary are at rest. And so, so Job wants to be free from trouble and the only place that he, can, he feels that that can happen is in death. That's why he longs for death. Um, that's what he says, isn't it? And he also aligns himself with other people who would be oppressed, the downtrodden. That's why he talks about the slaves and the taskmasters and the small and the great, uh, the slave being free from his master. He feels oppressed by the evil that's going on all around him. And he, feel, he aligns himself with the downtrodden person who is on the bottom of the pile. So he's not just talking about himself here. <laughs> it's a wider question, isn't it? It's not just, why, why me? But he's saying, why does this happen to anyone? And wouldn't it be better if they never lived or if they um, were in the realm of the dead? At least there, trouble couldn't find them. So it's pretty deep questions. I don't know if you've ever asked these kind of questions. I guess they're the kind of questions that would come through when you suffer. We ask those questions, don't we? Why? just feels like so futile. Life feels futile if... If one day I have something and next minute it's all gone, you know, what's, what really is the point of life? It's that kind of questioning that Job is doing here. Questioning the very essence of it. And notice as well that a picture, birth, nursing, new life, all of those things which would usually, in the cool light of day, they normally, wouldn't they, speak of hope and future. I mean... Whenever you have a child, everyone's like, you know, they gather around the child, they're smiles, you know, they're rejoicing. Why? Because there's hope and future in birth. And yet, Job looks at it and all he can think, see is the past. His grief has caused him to look back. And he can only look back. And when it, even in birth, something as joyous as that, he can only see his own birth, which he wished had never happened at this moment. In a moment, we're going to think about the fact that this is a, a believer speaking like this. This is a Christian. And we're going to see that. That's pretty surprising to hear these words coming from a believer. But we're going to think about what that means for us. Let's look at our final section, uh, verses 20 
uh, through to the end of the chapter. Um, Job's done his calling down a curse on the day he was born and the night he was... You know, it's sort of, he knows that that's not... It's, it's, it's useless really, it's not going to do anything, but he still wants to do it. He's in, he's in a rage, he's, in, he's showing how upset he is. And then he's asked the question, well, why, am I, why is, was I allowed to live even when, though that happened? Um, and I could have been somewhere where I would have been at rest. And now he's going to ask the question, well, why am I being kept alive? So let's have a read of that from verses 20 uh, to 26. Why is light given to him who is in misery? And life to the bitter in soul, who long for death, but it comes not. And dig for it more than hidden treasures, who rejoice exceedingly and are glad when they find the grave. Why is light given to a man whose way is hidden, whom God has hedged in? For my sighing comes instead of my bread, and my groanings are poured out like water. For the thing that I fear comes upon me, and what I dread befalls me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, but trouble comes. So he's asking the question, well, he's realised now, I can't, God's in charge of whether I live or die. Um, And yet he's hedged me in, sort of like mirroring what Satan, Satan said about God, that he's hedged him in with these good possessions. But now the hedging in is like keeping Job alive. It's like a, a razor wire that's keeping him trapped in this life that he doesn't want to be in. And so Job is really saying, like, I can't avoid trouble. All the while that trouble can get to me, I can't have that rest. I can't feel safe I can't have true rest that is surprising to hear from a, from a Christian from a believer isn't it a, a Christian articulating what grief feels like and, and then saying look this is exactly what it feels like I have no rest I can't rest when, when life is like this I, I, I wish I'd never been born I wish that God would not keep me here and um, Job still knows that there is a God. We know that from verses 4, from verse 20 and verse 23. He talks about God um, in this, um, as being the one who gives life in verse 20 and the one who's hedged him in um, in verse 23. So Job still knows there's a God. Yet what he feels is completely and utterly, utterly alone. And this is what grief does to our experience of our relationship with God. It's not that... God has gone anywhere or that we've stopped believing that he's there but he just feels distant and all of Job's questions are like who's listening is anyone listening to my questions they're sort of spoken into thin air and he doesn't get the answers he's asking God what's going on but he doesn't seem to get the answers and a famous uh, Christian and author C.S. Lewis uh, wrote a book um, called A Grief Observed And in that book, um, he said this. He says, this is one of the most, talking about grief, this is one of the most disquieting symptoms of it. When you're happy, so happy that you have no sense of needing God, if you remembered yourself and turned to him with gratitude and praise, you will be, or so it feels, welcomed with open arms. But go to God when your need is desperate. When all other help is vain, and what do you find? 
where it feels like the door has been slammed in your face. And the sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. After that silence, you may as well turn away. The longer you wait, the more emphatic the silence will become. I think that's a good description, isn't it, of what Job's feeling at this moment. (laughs) He is a believer. He's not. He's, He's not denying that God's there. But God feels, experientially, God feels distant. He tries to pray. Is God listening to me? It just feels like, he doesn't feel any comfort from knowing that God is there. From the presence of God. And when Christopher Ash uh, wrote on this, he said um, that he had a book on his shelf that was about grief for Christians. And the title of that book was, um, I'm not supposed to feel this way. And what he, was, what he realised that that book was um, picking up on was the fact that Christians not only feel this way, but they then feel guilty that they shouldn't feel that way. Because I'm a Christian, so I shouldn't feel how I'm feeling. And so they sort of deny how they're feeling or they feel guilt, terribly guilty for it. And yet here, in God's word... We're told that Job knows God. His relationship with God hasn't changed, but but his experience of his relationship with God is such that he feels like this. And um, I think that's a real comfort. If you are a Christian here today and you're going through something particularly challenging, or you're grieving. Perhaps you're grieving about something that, that that happened a while ago. But it's still grief over that. Someone you've lost. And there's times when you... You feel these things? You feel that God's, is God really listening to me? He doesn't feel, I can't feel him. I can't feel that he's here with me. I know that he's here with me, but I can't feel it. Then, that's one of the reasons, isn't it, why as Christians we can't rely on our feelings all the time. That we can't, Decide things based on our feelings. Just because God, it feels like God isn't there, it doesn't mean that he isn't there. So one of the things is to not trust our feelings. Um, the feelings will change over time. We'll see in the book of Job that he will, those feelings will change. And he will be able to see past or, you know, what he's seeing at the moment and, and not just look back but start to look around a bit. Um, but at the moment, it feels like this. I want to say that you can be a Christian and feel like you want to die. You can be a Christian and be so weighed down with grief that all you can do is look back or look forward to death. Did you know that? You can be a Christian and feel that way. That may surprise you, but it is of great comfort if you are going through these things or when you do go through these things to know that you are a Christian. (laughs) Job is a believer. That won't be forever, but it is for now. Um, So we need to see that first. Um, Job longs to be somewhere that trouble cannot find him. He he realises that he'd be better off dead because there trouble wouldn't find him. Um, Let's look at our second point, though. Um, The rest... That Job speaks, uh, seeks, sorry, is not found in the grave, but in the one who conquered it. The rest Job seeks is not found in the grave, but in the one who conquered it. 
Uh, it may seem unlikely um, that we'd find any gospel hope or, or kind of pointers to that in the, probably the darkest chapter of the whole Bible, if not the death of Jesus. You know, this is pretty dark, isn't it? You wouldn't expect to find any gospel hope in there. Um, but, but it is there if we look for it. In Job's deep, deepest anguish, his longing for rest is clearer than ever. He speaks about that, doesn't he? I have no rest. I long for rest. That rest is linked to that, the absence of that trouble, isn't it? You know, if I was safe from that trouble, then I could be at rest. And this theme of rest is actually a big Bible theme, isn't it? So we've been through the book of Joshua. We, we saw that the people of God were, long, were promised the land. Um, and yet, the reason the land was a good thing is because they have rest with God. That they would be in the land of rest. Part, quite a big part of that was the fact that they wouldn't be under oppression in slavery. Uh, in, in Egypt, under Pharaoh. Or that they wouldn't be in the wilderness where they're subjective to all these attacks. They would have a security knowing that God is protecting them, that they've got a place for themselves. And um, Job's longing for rest is there, isn't it? I mean, his restlessness is the thing that goes throughout this, this chapter, isn't it? And he wouldn't be asking these kind of questions if there was nothing to look forward to. If there was nothing more than what's going on here, he wouldn't actually be asking these questions at all. So the rest of Job seeks, seeks is not found in the grave where he longs to go, um, but in the one who conquered it. Um, in Christopher Ash's book, again, he says that Job's restlessness is itself proof of something more. He says this, a restless man is not a defeated man, and a troubled man is not one who is resigned to his fate. The very fact that he's going, he's restless about his situation means that he's not defeated. <laughs> he's not resigned to it. He's asking the question and saying, I long for something else than this. But why would he even be suggesting that if, if there wasn't anything else? So actually his restlessness even points to the fact that he has a hope for things to change. For God to do something. For things to change. And so even in the darkest moment there is longing. And a restlessness that shows that this is not all there is. For now Job himself can't see how that will come about. But he will. At this moment he can't see how that will come about. But he will. And... Later on uh, in the book of Job, in chapter 19, we'll hear Job say, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and in the end he will walk on the earth. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and in the end he will walk on the earth. So between chapter 3 and chapter 19, (laughs) there's going to be a process, isn't there, of Job being able to see more of what God's doing. And and see again the hope that he has. But, But it's even here. The start of that is even here. And Job longs for one who will be able to free him from the trouble he's in. Fully, eternally. That he would have eternal rest with God. 
That's the deep longing of his soul. That's the deep longing of all souls. Everyone. And that person is Jesus. Jesus is the one who can defeat our biggest enemy. Jesus is the one that can uh, put death to death. And Satan will be destroyed because of the work of what Jesus has done. And so you sort of think, okay, how is this safety, this security going to come about? Well, only through Jesus, right? When he, tri- he has triumphed at the cross through his resurrection, and he will triumph on the day when he returns, it will all be brought to nothing. And so true rest is found in him. He has conquered our biggest threat. You can be safe eternally. You can have eternal rest with Jesus. Job longs to be somewhere trouble cannot find him. And the rest Job seeks is not found in the grave, but in the one who conquered the grave. That's where this rest is found. And I want to just apply that to two different people who might be here today. I want to say, um, if you're not a believer, if you're looking into this, uh, maybe you didn't really realise that there's a restlessness or a longing for this security, this safety with God in your life. But, it, but it's there. And, and actually, when suffering comes or has come to you, my guess is you've asked the why question. You've asked a why question. What? Even if it's just, why is this happening to me? That's a why question. But, but can I ask you, who's that question directed to? Because the very fact you're asking a question assumes that there's someone who's going to answer it. And it's not going to be me. It's not going to be any of the people here. So it must be God. <laughs> the very fact you're asking why means, assumes that there is a God to ask. And even if that, just, that thought is just the beginning of something tonight, can I encourage you to explore, to ask questions about who that God is? Ask the people around you who this God is and how he's revealed himself. Because it doesn't really make sense for us to be asking those questions if there really is no God to ask. The very fact of us wanting to know why makes perfect sense if there is someone who knows why. In this world. Someone who created everything. And who knows all things. Can you not see that this impulse assumes there is a God. Who is involved in the world that he has made. It's just there. <laughs> Innate in all of us isn't it. The impulse is why. Job knows this God. As we've just seen. And we can only know this God. If he chooses to reveal himself. Um, so just to finish up. Um, We're going to look at Matthew, uh, chapter 11. And if someone can pay a shout out of church page number, that would be great. 816, page 816. We're looking at Matthew 11, verses 27 to 30. This is Jesus speaking. everyone got it? Right. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, 
all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to Jesus. Jesus doesn't promise you an answer to that why is this happening to me question, a specific answer to that. But he does promise you rest. He promises you eternal rest. So come to Jesus to find rest for your soul. In however you're feeling about the grief that you're going through, Jesus can give you true rest. So come to him. If you're a Christian, there is a real encouragement here, isn't there? To speak to God, to tell him. Not be afraid of the things that you want to say in your grief. And, uh, and we can do that together. That's sometimes a helpful thing to do. Church shouldn't be a place where we just come and say, how was your week? Yeah, fine. How was your week? Yeah, fine. Church should be the place where we say, not fine. You know, there's just one word we have to put in front of that sentence, isn't it? How was your week? Not fine. And then the person can say, okay, well, do you want to tell me about that? Yeah, I can tell you about that. Can you pray for me? Um, that's just one of the things we've been seeing. But um, let's pray. Let's pray to the God who knows all things. We, uh, we know that even in the restlessness where we feel, we have this longing for his rest. A hope that is coming because of what Jesus has done. Um, let's pray. Father God, thank you um, that you're not afraid of our why questions, that um, you don't promise easy answers or or even uh, the answers at the time that we ask them. But thank you that you invite us to have this relationship with you. And and even at the times where you feel distant, thank you that you uh, remain the same. Thank you that we can have, uh, we can speak to you and that that through that things will begin to change in our in our minds and our hearts thank you that we can come to you with these questions Uh, we pray that we would be those who would trust you and want that relationship with you and want to speak to you about the things that we struggle with pray that we wouldn't gloss over them and think that we've got to pretend that things are easy Uh, We thank you uh, for this reminder that you, in Jesus, eternal rest is is coming to us. That that we can even experience some of that now. Um, We pray that we would uh, want to share with others this hope that we have so that their restlessness could be met in you. And particularly those who are suffering, we pray that their why questions would lead them to you. To see that you are there. And that they would know you. um, As you have revealed yourself through your son. Uh, We pray this in Jesus name. Amen.